Hey guys, and welcome to another fucking episode of Women of Illustration, the newest podcast. Well, it's not so new. It's kind of new. It's like two years new. Is that new enough? I think it's new enough. Uh, episode, I, I think it's, I'm not even going to say the episode number because that's how disorganized I am. Today, <laughs> we're hanging out with a really good friend of mine, an actual student who I've worked with before. Her name's Natalie. We're going to be kind of discussing the pros and cons of starting your own clothing label, something that I know you guys are all fucking thinking about. Like, I want to make a shirt. I want to make a sexy fucking hoodie. I want to get it together, but I want to help you kind of maneuver all of the bullshit that comes along with trying to make tangible products with my girl, Natalie. What's up, Natalie? Welcome to the show. What's up, Dana? <laughs> How, who you be? I be. Um, a <laughs> so random y- today. <laughs> <laughs> a young lass from Melbourne, Australia, and I do the illustration stuff and I also do the clothing stuff so combined I am just one super force of (laughs) greatness or some I don't know (laughs) I am one super force of greatness don't you love that fake confidence guys let's kill it (laughs) I have so much fake confidence right now (laughs) right well one thing she's not telling you is she's insanely talented insanely talented wow what's mush mouth i need more coffee um where she has this really cool like aesthetic but it's very vintage very 90s very bright in your face melty letters all over the place i adore her the second she signed up for my instagram for artist class i was like yes i was so excited so it's this is the first time we've actually like been on a call together where i can hear her voice so like we're we're bridging the ocean right now, man. We're making a connection. You and I'm reaching I. out to you, my little hands across the Atlantic. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back out to you and I can feel you. Oh, my God, <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> All right. So, I, so if I were to describe your style, I would say very 90s retro. But, like, I want to hear it from your mouth. How would you describe what you do for a living? Well, that is a very good question there, Dana. <laughs> I'm not sure how I would actually describe my style of illustration anymore because, like, yes, I have been doing a lot of 80s and 90s nostalgic stuff, but I feel like since I got married, I've kind of been morphing as a person and I'm in this space right now where I have, like, I have a crossroads, so I can either go really, like, fancy or I could just stick with my (laughs) nostalgia thing and I'm working out if there's a way that I can kind of combine them like fancy nostalgia like Moschino or something Fuck yeah you could totally mix that like there are rich people in the 80s and 90s that had their own <laughs> fucking aesthetic that's slowly coming back into fashion right now with like what was it called the runway with the giant meme dresses like that's a thing now that's very like retro do you know what I'm talking about meme dresses Yes. So like it was uh, this huge fashion show. I'm not a fashion person. Don't know what it's called. And these women were like, you know, stick figure model people are wearing these huge poofy fucking like nightmare from hell prom dresses with memes on them, like actual like meme text. (laughs) And it was very retro. And I love the fact that all of these really expensive brands like Gucci and so on and so forth, other brands, I don't know what they're called, Mm. um, are kind of not like they're going tacky 80s, 90s on purpose to make a statement. But it yeah. still costs like 30 grand to buy that outfit. Mm. So I definitely think there is a crossover with nostalgia and fancy, if that's the way that you meant it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of where I want to sit. I'm just trying to work out how to sit there right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to find yourself. You hear that, people? You never figure it out. You never. Sorry. I was like so settled in myself. I was like, yep, this is what I do. I'm a comic illustrator. I, I do this thing called Drongo, which is like a an 80s and 90s 
um, inspired comic book that's like really Australian. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. I do all this stuff. And then I became known for that. And now like it's really difficult, I think, with social media, because when you're going through change, it's really obvious and people are just looking at you like, oh, what are you doing? Whereas like, <laughs> you know, 10, 20 years ago, you could have just like gone into a cocoon and then resurgenced as like a, <laughs> a totally different being. And people would be like, oh, cool. Like you just had a morphous or whatever. And then like, this is oh like. Oh my God. Sorry, <laughs> headphone users. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas now it's like people are seeing my journey and it's like people like the journey but am I complaining too much I don't really know what's going on yeah I don't know that is kind of an interesting point though like the fact that people are seeing that transformation happen in real time which is kind of Mm. awesome to be honest but I mean I think it's unrealistic for an artist just to be like this is my thing forever for the next 30 years I won't get bored or anything (laughs) like of course you are you're gonna want to pivot like you did the thing it happened you made a book now what's next so like Aside from fancy, like, I'm curious, like, what do you think, like, what are you trying to become? Like, what's the next phase for you? I want to return to fashion. Like, this podcast, like, preparing for this podcast actually, like, made me, like, miss how much, like, just uh, raw energy and, like, uh, all the stuff that goes into running your own clothing line. That part of me was just like, why aren't I still doing this? Like, I wanted to... I wanted to go in a different direction, so I'm thinking of be, uh, making some more handmade accessories, um, which mm-hmm. is actually where I started in the very, very beginning, um, and how to combine that with illustration. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. But like doing all this, um, all, remembering all the things that I've been through and like all the things that my mentors have said to me, I'm like, why did I give up the fashion thing again? Like, why am I doing this? Because it's hard. <laughs> It is hard. hard. (laughs) Like, spoiler alert, if you're like, oh, how do I start my own line? It's like, okay, well, it's hard. (laughs) I feel that. No, that's interesting because I was just reading on your Instagram that, like, when you were 19, is that right? You started your first business selling, was it just accessories or was it earrings? I was 16. Six, god damn it, that's young. (laughs) And technically 15 if you want to really go re- roots oh, but man, anyway. super illegal people I can't yeah. tell you how long I've been trying to make a buck you know like I was seven and hustling at my school like for fake charity no one knew that the charity was me but you know oh no I know I know if you want to hear about that story it's in one of my um one of my drunger episodes thing so thing. funny yeah oh my gosh you started your first business as a fraud that's great <laughs> Well, no, no, I can't say that asking people for money for charity on my behalf um, as a seven-year-old girl at school was, I mean, yeah, no one's going to take you to jail or anything like that. It's like, this girl said she was going to give it to this, the, the cute little seven-year-old girl army um, charity, and it was actually going to her. The fact that you couldn't figure that out, maybe it's more of a you problem, teacher, uh, or insert adult name here. No, um, it was actually way more egregious than that. My my grandfather <laughs> was a doctor, and he would get sent, like, all these promotional products for um, new medications. And so he got one that was for, like, kids with heart conditions, and they sent him, like, all these, like, childish, like, paraphernalias, like a toy dragon and a hand printed on a printed hand towel like with this dragon thing on it and like a pen a notebook and like a little money box thing so me being the freaking entrepreneurial minded kid um took all this stuff to school and was like 
um, dressing up with the towel around my neck and then I took <laughs> all the pen and the pad and I went around to all the staff rooms and claimed to be collecting money for kids with heart conditions and yeah I made like 50 bucks in the 90s and when you're seven that's 50 a lot bucks of money to like a seven year old I know I know but I am I'm so sorry to all the people that I scammed <laughs> I left that life far behind in the past you know I'm all above board now she got that she got that failure and that mistake just like just out of the way before you even got your first period. That's beautiful. Um, that's so funny. I think that's interesting though. Like you started out in fashion. So like tell me more about like your background and like how you got to where you are right now as an illustrator. Okay. Well, it is a long journey and considering I'm only 27, that's really funny to say that. Um, I mean, like how like if I were to tell you every moment of my life yeah. up to this point, it would take 30 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> For real. <laughs> I guess but. that in terms of businesses, um, what I actually started off doing um, was when I was 15, I got given a bag of scrap fabrics from my mom's sewing class. And so I made myself a pencil case. And when I took that to school the next day, you know, like I was not the most popular kid in school. But anyway, one of the popular girls came up to me and she was like, where did you get that pencil case? And I was like, <laughs> I made it and I can do the same for you for like $10. So before I knew it, like all the girls in my year level seemed to have one of these pencil cases and I was raking in those $10, babe. Like it was (laughs) significant bank and, um, well to, you know, like a, a 15 year old. And then from that I started making band merchandise and then I was like a music promoter for a while. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then my first real business was soup jewelry. And that was when I was also 16. What's what's soup jewelry? So it was spelled S-O-O-P. And then like, I didn't know anything about, you know, registering business names and all this trash. And so... It's trash. The legal (laughs) system. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I didn't know anything about that. So like when I was done with soup, some other bitch started using the name. And like, if you Google soup jewelry now, like this other lady comes up and it's not me. There's nothing on me, except I was in like some fashion magazines and stuff, like, because everyone was like, who is this 16 year old doing things? And um, yeah, as soon as I turned like 18, I felt like the world didn't really care about me anymore because Mm -hmm. I had gotten so much media attention when I was younger. And so then I was like, well, my career's done. You know, I'm 19 years old and I'm already a washed up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Washed up has been, but yes, it's getting better, I guess. Um, so then after that, I started making my own clothes and my first thing was making fifties ball gowns. I made fifties ball gowns. Um, for sale random and cool all right they were also crap because i am self-taught at sewing and youtube wasn't a thing at the time so like if i wanted to learn something i had to do some trial and error babe like it was some serious Mm -hmm. trial and error so anyway that was crap i look at those photos and i laugh but then fast forward like i don't know five years after that i started tilly me which was my my actual clothing brand the thing that i sunk fifty thousand dollars or more into in like a year or two and the thing that's you know been the kind of terrible highlight of my life so far <laughs> yeah dude i mean like products are so fun to make and it's definitely my favorite aspect of my business now that i'm and i'm just doing print on demand mind you like mm. i and i and i just started doing and i just ordered some uh, custom cut and sew pieces that will be arriving any day now 
How exciting. Hopefully in time for 420, but I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> uh, that was the plan, at least. Um, but, you know, it takes money to make money in those situations. So a lot of people, totally like, don't does. know how to get started. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And this is the second time I've done a clothing line. Like, Letter mm. Shop, before Letter Shop, it was Logo Juice, where I was just making hand-lettered logos. Before Logo Juice, That's it was Hipster right. Ketchup. Yeah. That was my clothing line where I literally just put like mustaches and thick rim glasses on people. <laughs> like that was my brand. I'm like, Frankenstein, you now have a mustache and a fucking neck tattoo and <laughs> thick rim glasses. Who's next? And it did like kind of well for a bit, but then I just kept like following my own fancy a bit too much where I wasn't re- like really thinking about whether or not other people were gonna like it. I'm like, yeah. I like it, you'll like it, get over it. Like I just was so naive and like, 21 or something like just straight out of college thinking I could do anything and I'm smarter than everyone oh my god I I have this theory that you're just a total brat before the age of 25 it's like brat 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 turns 25 turns into a regular person like that's just my theory because that was my experience I was a terrible person before the age of 25 like I think we all are I think we're all monsters like if you're currently under 25 you kind of suck as a person right now and that's okay but don't worry hang in there Hang it in does there. get better. It does get better. I don't know what it is. I think there's something about, I think it's not so much the fact that I'm 30 now, but something more about like the pressure of being a woman in 30. Mm. It's a mixture of that where I feel like such a wise old woman. <laughs> like, yes. like, listen to my pearls. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have so much knowledge to share with you. <laughs> and I've also apparently been smoking for 30 years and I ain't quitting even though I'm still on oxygen. I'm not trying to sound like my mom. Sorry, mom. Okay. Anyways. I love you, mom. So, I love you, Mom. Um, all right, so let's talk about that. That was the biggest issue with my career. Well, not my career, mm. but, like, my fashion line was I didn't think about the audience. Mm. So in your opinion, like, how do you know what product is right for your audience in the first place? You know, it's really funny is that, um, first of all, I'm really excited that I get to talk to you about all this, like, product stuff because I feel like you've helped me, like, so much with all your mm-hmm. advice and your courses that, like, now I can, Aww. like download some info into your head and maybe help you out a bit um Mm -hmm. it's funny that you should actually say that that was the biggest failure of your business because I made a list of like my top 10 tips when making products and like what you did is technically one of them like that's my first tip is only make things that you yourself would buy yeah, but at the same time, like, if it's not relatable, like, if, yeah. like, I think if it gets too inside jokey, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you're don't around, do inside jokes. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my like, God, you, I'm Like, like you and that, yeah, seriously, like, you and your best friend, like, you hang out all the time, you could probably finish each other's sentences. And I think when you're dealing with a total fucking stranger from the internet, you don't have that kind of connection, so don't assume that it exists. Oh, and my I gosh. think I have this issue all the time, like, with my boyfriend. I'll be, like, mid-sentence talking about something that he has no idea like about some new project idea or some fucking person I talked to the Instagram or someone who stole my copyright or some bullshit. And he's like, wait, I'm sorry. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I totally forgot the whole beginning of the story. It just went right for the drama. Mm. And I think sometimes with products, we kind of have a similar or like just posts or work in general. We just assume you're going to get it. So we yeah. don't like include you and make you feel like, I don't know that you're not stupid (laughs) and you feel good when you like read that caption or see that post or see that t-shirt or whatever so I definitely think there's a balance with those two things but yes I do think making the kind of work that you wish existed is an amazing starting point yeah well it's it's funny that you mentioned the inside jokes I can't believe that I didn't think of that myself I did an entire t-shirt line that was just inside jokes (laughs) 
And then I was like, Girl. why is this bumming? It's hilarious. Like, don't people get this? <laughs> Can they not? But yeah, but basically I did a whole thing to do with beans. And if you go through like... with I'm sorry, with beans? Beans. Like, like beans like, you eat? Yeah, like kidney okay. beans. Like oh, if okay. you go All through right. my body of work, like there's just this recurring theme of beans. And that's because my mom has this friend and he lives in... Um, well, he lives in... Uh, KL now in Malaysia but like he is like a guy that kind of just drops in and out of my house it's great but anyway um he came home with like a bag full of groceries and he just got this tin of beans plonked it on my kitchen table and said don't say I never bought you beans and so then I did like this whole thing about beans and I did a t-shirt that says where's my beans and then he became a comic and I'm just like why aren't people getting this and that's because don't do inside jokes yeah dude and that was before the bean meme like that's really I don't know if it's still popular it might be like a month or two old where all they did was replace yeah go ahead and type baked bean mean oh my god so many words that sound similar baked bean meme and you'll see like pictures where videos (gasps) where just beans are there yeah that's oh my gosh no. See, you were 10 years too early. Oh my Or God. however long ago it was. There's like a bean that has a face on it. That was literally a comic that I did, except it was like the journey of a bean. See, you were before your time. I was. I was. I'm the trendsetter. I'm the OG. Who are these people yeah. copying me? Get yeah, out of my fucking, way. <laughs> first they steal your jewelry business line when you were before you were legal, and now this. Now the bean brigade. How could they? That's oh my gosh. So like, <laughs> like, what do you think? So... Mm. audience how do you how do we find the right audience do you think like beta testing is the only way to go about it or is it just like trial and error like what do you do okay so um to know that the product is right for your audience in the first place you do have to do a lot of market testing and i know that that kind of sounds like it goes against what i said like only make things that you would buy but like you got to market test it. Yeah, you like, got to market test it. So <laughs> like, like, it's a given. <laughs> what you could do is, um, like, that. that's why things like Society6 and Redbubble are so good because, like, you can put an illustration up and then if people are really responding to it, you know that that's what you need to produce yourself so you can make more money. Um, I don't know if that's how it actually works. I haven't actually used Redbubble Society6 myself. But... Don't you love advice you give other people that you haven't tried yet? Well, that's the thing. Like, I know because I dropped like $20,000 on a t-shirt line that went balls up. And so I'm like, oh, I could have just done this and saved myself all that (laughs) money. Oh, I see. (laughs) Yeah. I could have, would have, should have done this. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's okay advice. Like, especially if you don't have your own built-in audience on social media yet, like Mm -hmm. why not tap into an already existing platform like Rebel Society 6, Designed by Humans, Threadless, so many more to name that I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's so, I will say this, it's really hard to get noticed on those platforms. So Mm. it could be like, if you're doing fan art, that's always, that always just does well because you're banking on someone else's copyright, like, of course. And that, you know, what's more relatable than like a Harry Potter lightning bolt? Like everyone knows what that (laughs) lightning bolt means. So because it has that, like, you know, audience perception, like, of course it's going to do well. But if you do a fucking dancing bean... Like, and it's not based on anything that's re- relatable to you. It, it would make sense why it wouldn't be, it wouldn't do well. Because yeah. like how t-shirts, I think 
in my opinion, specifically work is you're a walking billboard for that expression. So if that expression isn't something that is a part of your core value or something you find entertaining or makes you laugh, then why would you wear it? Yeah. And then the thing is that, like, people look at me and they say, oh, I want to dress like her. I want to look like her. Like, maybe not anymore because I've turned myself down a lot but um, <laughs> over the years. But, like, when I was doing this clothing brand, people would see me down the street and they'd be like, oh, my God, I love this outfit. Where did you get blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, oh, I've got, a cl- I've got my own clothing line. And they're like, oh, really? And then they look me up and it's like there's nothing like what I was actually wearing. Oh, there yeah. you go. That's the first mistake right there. Yeah. So <laughs> – Making new clothes, like, are you thinking about doing that? Like, cut, like custom cut and sew pieces, like, what you wear? Like, what's your plan? Like, I'm just curious. I want to know yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. Um, well, my plan is to really figure out who my audience is again. And I think that that's, mm. um, that's probably your most crucial point is to actually work out if there is an audience. Uh, when I actually started my clothing brand, Tilly Me, um, it was actually a Japanese fairy K-inspired brand. And that was like doing all pastel 80s and like cutesy mm. stuff. And when it was, when I was doing my market research, people were like, oh, well, you know, the 80s had like way brighter colors and like that's cool too. And like, this is all right, but it's really childish. So can you like balls it up a bit? And I'm like, that's a great idea. So then it morphed into like an 80s inspired streetwear brand. Um, mm. And that was it just great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I'm> super awesome. <laughs> Thanks. And so that's where that went. But the problem is that, like, because my, the audience was so niche, like, originally it wasn't doing so great. And then I broadened the audience and then it did a lot better. But I think I broadened it too much or, like, I didn't really truly understand my, my market. And. One thing that I did, which I realized too late, was that, like, I miss how MySpace you could add friends. <laughs> because then you make yourself so visible to so many people without seeming like, you know, a crazy stalker. Like, on Facebook, if you go, like, adding people who look cool, people are going to be like, eh, who's this bitch? But now, it's, <laughs> like, back in MySpace days, it's like, oh, yes, give me thousands of friends. I want to have 10,000 friends just like Jeffree Star. So um, everyone wanted to know you, but now it's like no one wants to know you. But what I do do is I go on Facebook and go to like, I don't know, like I really like Lazy Oaf. So I go on Lazy Oaf's Instagram, their um, Facebook page, and I see who's commenting. And then I look at that profile and I kind of assume like what this person's like. And if they seem really, really cool, I will add them as a friend and explain that that's what I've done. Some people are really creeped out. Some people think that that's awesome. But yeah, so that's one way of doing it if you don't want to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a good like first step for sure. Like, mm. what was it? I think it's just last episode. I'm trying to look. Yeah. So I was talking with um, I can never I'm going to say her last name right. I'm going <laughs> to do it. Uh, Jenna Blazevich, and we're talking about how to find your audience, which is also like a piece of who you are. Yeah. And I think that's so important with whatever products that you're making, especially as a creative. But a, a really easy way to like beta test it, just to reiterate what we talked about in the last mm. episode, is really just like make a bunch of free shit, just make a bunch of art, and just mm. see what resonates with your audience the most. And then eventually yeah. over time, you'll see patterns, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, when I use this color palette, it does better. Like, you know, you, you saying like, you know, pastel pinks or mm. whether it looks too cutesy or too adult, that would have probably been feedback that you would have gotten from your audience with, given like, you know, three months of just doing it consistently. You know what I yeah. mean? 
So it's like, yeah, we didn't have social media when me and you started our first clothing brands, <laughs> and it probably would have made us such a huge impact oh in like, what we would have made. Oh my gosh. But there's this other tip that I saw recently on like a print on demand video. And like, it's hard to, it's hard for me not to like throw up in my mouth when I watch these videos because they're, you know, peop, everyday people who don't know how to draw and they like buy stock graphics for people like us and we sell it for $10, like on stock, iStock or something like that. Yeah. And these people make like million, can make hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars off of a design based on this one trick that they did. And I was like, okay, what's this trick? I mean, you got me. The clickbait is real. <laughs> um, I'm watching this video and it was ingenious. It was mm. like, go into Facebook and create an advertising like campaign. I think and because, I've seen this video. Yeah. Yes. Where you're going ahead and you're, you're searching keywords yeah. and you always have to mix two passions or two hobbies or two things that make you more relatable to make one hyper, super, fucking niche audience yeah was this like the new zealand chick who like did yes the blonde girl with the big teeth yeah yes oh, i don't know about the big teeth but yeah she's she nice got, she seems nice she's she seems okay very knowledgeable have big teeth it is like, my dad she, has she, big teeth it's great yeah she's got a big mouth I she can fit a lot of food in there teeth. i love food <laughs> food is better you know what i'm saying ain't nothing wrong with the big teeth um but <laughs> she, yeah she's very like she seems very knowledgeable. I like, really enjoyed the video and I thought that was a good um, example. And the one that she uses in that video is like, there's a lot of people who drink coffee mm. and there's a lot of people who like pugs. Mm. But if you take a cute illustration of a pug drinking coffee, well, there you go. You might just have yourself a hit graphic design t-shirt. Yeah. And I was like, that's really interesting. So I tried that same thing recently where I, I did yeah. cannabis and coffee. So I went, it's a cannabis and coffee kind of day and holy shit, it got like 3,500 likes in like less than 24 hours. Mm. So it's like, okay, I see you blonde girl from New Zealand with big teeth. <laughs> Maybe not so big teeth. Not trying to give you a complex about your teeth for, for some reason. You listen to this podcast. You're beautiful. Um, you do you, babe. You're great. <laughs> you do you. I mean, you can't help. Like, I have, uh, uh, what's some, I have, I got big fat fucking fat arms. How about that? Boom. Now we're even. Um, so random. Um, so I do think that's, you know, combining... Uh, things that you're interested in, combining hobbies and just figuring out, okay, if you're going to talk about mental health, mental health for whom? Mm. How old are they? What sex are they? Where are they located? What languages do they speak? Are they college ad educated? Are they oh, cat yeah. or dog people? You mm -hmm. might think that's a weird question, but I actually think it's like my audience are dog people. Really? What, well, I yeah. find that the more that you know about your audience, the more you will achieve trying to get to them whereas like even now I'm just like who are these people that are gonna like my <laughs> high-end 80s and 90s nostalgia thing if that's you and you're listening right now like send me a message so that I can like learn who you are <laughs> because I have no idea um, <laughs> but anyway yeah so like that's that and I'm just going through my notes to see if there's anything else that I wanted to say on that no we've covered everything I have oh my done. god, we're geniuses. Done. Yeah, done. We, we figured out making money for everyone. Okay. We did. Congratulations, so, we're all millionaires. <laughs> now that we've given a, a couple of tidbits, let's talk more about failures because mm -hmm. I feel like those are our biggest learning moments. Oh, like yes. mine was not finding the right audience. Mine was not trademarking some of my artwork that immediately got stolen by Target. Like that <gasps> happened. Um, oh my gosh. Like, I, or it could have just been something as simple as like we both had the same thought. But I like yeah. to think that I'm super special and they stole from me and they knew who the me fuck too. I was. Oh um, <laughs> and I think other things were just like, I tried to sell products before I actually had a built-in audience. And I mm -hmm. feel like you have to spend the time 
to hit that first 1K or that first 10K or 20K or whatever that number is for you to feel comfortable spending that money. Um, But as long as they're targeted and you, again, have that data that they're interested in your content, they're probably going to buy it on a T-shirt. So it's Mm. like, okay, with all that being said, like, tell me some more of your failure moments so I can learn from you, 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 oh my God, my brain broke. I tried to tell like three jokes at the same time and it just came out weird. It's okay. I'm all about weird. Um, okay. Well, failures is probably my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get into it. So I think that in terms of my biggest failures, designing my own line, um, I listened too much to what other people wanted me to make and not enough to what I wanted to make. So what I made other people would like like I thought that they'd like it but then it failed horribly because like it wasn't me mm-hmm. you have then, to be a part of your own demographic for sure yeah you gotta unless you're like I don't know some head off like head guy at Mattel making things for four-year-old well girls, yeah so. <laughs> but if you're a self-employed artist for sure you gotta own it and know who the fuck you're trying to market to exactly and like I think in terms of Oh, I've had quite a few big flops, but I think that one really obvious one was that I just tried to do too much weird advertising that people just weren't on board with. Like <laughs> a little too gorilla. Yeah, or well, what like, happened? Um, I was walking down the street and I saw like these like is it thank it's not thank you water it's like free water or something. it's it's basically a bottle of water that's free and it's got an advertisement on it that's done by an artist and I'm like well crap I could do that so I bought like a huge thing of bottled water and I printed off like I made my own water labels and I stuck them on and people I was like tilling me water and like giving it out at um markets and stuff and people were just like what is this girl doing? <laughs> and then worse like, than that. Tr- is, this your new, is this your new water company? <laughs> For real. Like, now that they're commo- like making water into a commodity, may as well. Um, so that was Tilly Me Water. And then I did Tilly Me Sunscreen. Which was, oh, man. Which was a similar thing. So I like bought like these pumping makeup bottles from ebay and i like got oh huge huge i love leaders. that you didn't learn the lesson the first time you're like okay water not enough people drink water so you're instead right. i will protect them from skin cancer with my own <laughs> unique blend of spf that's great yeah well not my own unique you know i went down to the local supermarket and just bought like bulk don't give away sunscreen. your fucking trade secrets <laughs> Man, I know, like, this should be, like, the clickbait title, like, learn this great tip to, like, attract the weirdest audience on earth. But anyway, I thought that if I went down to the beach in summer, I could give out sunscreen, not realizing that, like, if anything went wrong with the sunscreen, like, I could be, like, totally sued or something. So anyway, I have, like, a box of, like, four or five-year-old sunscreen in my mom's house right now. Um, so if anyone wants that, just like let me know and I'll, I'll Ew, figure out how to get to on, you. Don't put on five-year-old sunscreen. It burns if it, if it expires. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I've done that before. It burns? It burns. Oh my God. So yeah, you know, I have it, a lawsuit it, against shit, me for burning Shit people. goes bad. Yeah, seriously. Like, don't do... Like, it'll happen. I mean, I also have sensitive skin. Like, anytime I go into a hotel, I never use their soap or their fucking shampoo because I always break out in a horrible rash because it's normally expired. Oh. So it's like... So if they have, you know, just think of it. Like, if they put cucumbers in the fucking shampoo, cucumbers expire. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, unless it's all chemicals and there's no sort of, like, natural food in there, then, yeah, you're probably fine. But for the most part, they all try to, like, 
put raspberries and Let's shit in there. Let's make it as natural as possible. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, even with preservatives, and it can only last so long. Yeah. Um, so you, so you, the way that you were marketing yourself just wasn't ideal. No, no, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I thought that I knew it all because I had been a music promoter. I had done stuff for a music company that was, like, cool and chill and stuff. So I learned a lot of my feet, but I didn't learn for this industry. See, what people don't realize is that fashion... <laughs> is a totally different business, like, to anything else. Like, okay, the bottled water might have been really great at a rock concert in the mosh pit or something, but not on the side of the road at a market store, like, for a fashion line. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, been, like, or you could have gone to, like, a fashion show and given out water bottles. Like. Yeah, I mean, that would have been pretty good too. But, like, yeah, so just positioning. May, maybe, okay, well, rewind here. Maybe the water idea wasn't such a crap idea, but telling me sunscreen is where ideas go to die. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so funny. That I mean, like, worst. like, my favorite way to market clothes is just to wear it. Like, like what you were saying, like, mm. you wore them out, you wore clothes out in public and people asked you, where can I buy that? You know yeah. what I mean? It's just yeah. like, how can I get more people, more walking billboards for my brand? Mm. So like, that's why it's so like, what do you think about giving away like free clothes to like influencers now? Like, let's try to like bring this one to the 21st century influencer marketing. Like, I know this isn't one of the prepared questions that I gave you. So it's that's definitely okay. off the cuff. Like, what do you think? I can What's talk your opinion? at length about this. Um, okay. So basically when I was doing the business, like full time, I would get messages from like heaps of people every day saying oh my god I'm prepared to like market your thing if you send it to me um and it's like well maybe but the thing is that I was I was running at a loss because I was making everything in Melbourne it was very expensive to do no one really cared that it was made in Melbourne so they weren't prepared to pay the price for it exactly so Mm. for me to give away free clothes like at the time before influencer marketing was really a tapped in thing, I was like, well, that's great and all, but I need the, I need the cash. So what happened was I did have a, quite a great base of influencers who bought my products and that, um, that kind of started things off. But mm-hmm. obviously like if you're making things, um, overseas or if it's a lot cheaper to do or even if it's not that cheaper to do like influencer marketing is a great untapped resource like if you listen to any Gary V podcast like you will learn that in the first like five minutes um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah so I guess now I would definitely do it and I have like I, I mostly do it as a reward like I give a lot of free stuff to people who frequently buy from me and like I like doing that because I just feel warm and fuzzy like they've given me Mm -hmm. like heaps of dollars for my stuff the least that I can do is send them like some free stickers or something so I I like doing that but yeah I have sent things to influencers it didn't go so well for me but it was cool to be like oh my god this person with like a hundred thousand followers is like blogging about my thing yeah it's great but yeah no it didn't actually convert to dollars yeah so I did some influencer marketing early on when I was releasing my posters for letter shop because mm. um, I was like I've never done it let me try it and I had been on the receiving end of influencer marketing where like other brands pay me to talk about their products and services mm. um, so I was like all right so now I know how like to negotiate and I know what I want and I can be specific like how can I make this work to my you know forever my favor so I use that <laughs> app called tribe and it works for both ends like if you have more than a thousand followers guess what you're a fucking micro influencer um, 
And I, well, no, I fucked it up. I think it's 3,000. Sorry. So many people who were excited just went, aw. Um, <laughs> 3,000. And um, you can start bidding for projects the same as you would like a freelancer website, but some of them, they don't make you like buy the product and then take a picture and then maybe you'll get the money. It's more mm. like, hey, send us a message. What's your idea? Or send us something similar that's worked on your page. And then if we like it, we'll pay you. And then we'll send you a freebie. And then you make the content, right? Um, yeah. So I did that with a couple of, I think I did like 15 or 20 different influencer marketing campaigns. And I tried to be so fucking smart about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick niches that weren't artists, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be people who would just want like everyday consumers who would want a piece of artwork in their home. Like a lot of people have posters and have art. Um, and I tried to find people who were really like on trend with my brand, people who aren't afraid of a curse word. Cause like all, a lot of my stuff has curse words in it, you know, even better if they're a plus size woman, since a lot of the people I draw are plus size women, that kind of thing. And I honestly did not make any money at all from that whatsoever. Oh. I invested maybe like three grand, something like that. Whoa. Yeah. On that. Cause it wasn't cheap, mind yeah. you. <laughs> and, um, cause some of these influencers, you know, it was like a hundred dollars per piece of content. Um, so it was and plus like the money of the actual free product that I sent them, whatever. And I usually sent them three just depending mm. on, you know, how they wanted to you know, f- photograph it or whatever. And even though I was so careful on like, okay, I want you to use these hashtags. I want you to post the best time of day for your, you know, whatever's better for your engagement. I, you know, proofread the fucking captions. I was like really anal about it, but it still didn't sell. And I think that's because let's go back to that audience mistake. It wasn't mm. the fact that, like the money, like an influencer marketing doesn't work. It was much more of, <laughs> I wasn't presenting them in an authentic way. And I think people could tell. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So like, I do think like influencer marketing can work after the fact, like what you're yeah. saying, like you have, you know, a product people like and people buy it, people talk about it organically. And then, you know, you could ask them for permission to repost that photography on your grid. And then that's something I started doing this week with my past joints, not judgment hoodie and shirt. And yeah. I sold a shit ton of even more hoodies and shirts. Yeah. People can just see through like ads and things like that's, I guess why I'm in such a slump at the moment, because like people can really identify when you're not enjoying what you're doing when other people aren't enjoying what you're doing either <laughs> yeah. so um for you though like that campaign that you did it looked super slick and I think that like the three grand probably didn't feel like it was very well spent at the beginning but like you were posting out so much content um that just looked really really professional and now if someone goes to your page and finds um, like all the like authentic, like, oh my God, I just bought this poster, isn't it great? Um, mm-hmm. They can go through your feed and find all these really nice like influencer pictures and things and it just promotes you more. So I don't think that that was a waste of money if we want to look at it like that. Yeah, like I think there's something to be said with getting paid photography, 100%. Mm. I think photography is probably the most like outside of like making sure your audience there's someone who actually wants to buy your product (laughs) but presentation is everything yeah you know what i mean like make especially if it's posters you need to be able to know what size that poster is i I could tell you 50 by 60 centimeters but Mm. do you know how fucking big that is i mean yes because we're in australia but (laughs) but, you know the fucking americanas over here we don't fucking know like give me like is it 18 by 24 is that it like what are we doing (laughs) yeah seriously and, like, because I was getting prints made in the UK, it was, like, a weird, like, 8.737 fucking yeah. inches or something like that. And I'm like, I'll just put the centimeters. Um, 
But yeah, so because I had all that photography, that was definitely worth it. And mm. now Tribe has a function where it's called, I think it's like called content creation or something like that, where now you can just pay artists and influencers or whoever just to go ahead and photograph oh. those pieces of content. And then if you like them, you can charge them an extra fee for them to advertise it on their platform. So I thought oh. that was, I think that's fucking valuable. Like I've, and, I'll, and I pay like $40 per photo usually because I'm looking for like anywhere from five to 10 shots of each product, which I think is fair from at least from the photographers I've talked to. And some of them are like, that's actually a little bit more expensive than I charge. I'm like, shut up. You're worth it. Take my money. Um, <laughs> and I, so I definitely think that's, it's worth the investment. So yeah. we've talked about some ways to advertise that weren't the best, but what do you think is the best way to advertise and launch a product? Well, honestly, like I think that you, uh, probably the, uh, the, inf- the authority the authority on this i've I've released two pieces of clothing that were successful that doesn't make me the authority in anything yeah fair enough i think that if you i think with social media now if you take a lot of pictures and make it look really like like a great product and do the photography really well and make video okay video is probably the most influential thing um Mm -hmm. now so if you make like this fashion videos and put them on social media like IGTV and really hype up these products but don't have them for sale yet because mm-hmm. I feel like people like when you have something for sale it's like oh it's just an ad whereas if you don't have it for sale yet it's a sneak preview you see <laughs> so then people want to know more about it they're going to follow you you're going to get really like amped up people excited about this product and then when you launch it it's going to sell out in like 24 hours maybe yeah. can't guarantee that but yeah that's the what more... happened to me that's what i did yeah yeah <laughs> the more you hype up something the more people want it so do that but don't release it <laughs> until like a couple days or even weeks later mm-hmm. mm. like i've been talking about my 420 apparel line like almost a month now mm. Yeah, and then it's it like, like, oh, it's live. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, like, you, there's definitely incentives to, like, you know, sign up for my newsletter if you want to get access to this apparel line three days before the public knows about it. Mm. And then also, you know, making it more exclusive. Like, uh, I only limit it to 10 sizes per design. Yeah, right. See, you, know what you I mean? are just so smart. Like, I, I think I've told you that every time you do something, it's like, I just say to my husband, oh, my God, Dana's so smart. Stop it. <laughs> No, stop it. I can't Mix stop. It. Won't stop. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. I, I do. But I, I think it's all about like creating a sense of FOMO, like is the best yeah. way you can put it. Yeah. Like, hey, you're literally, if you don't buy this fucking thing right now, you're not going to get it and you're going to wish that you had it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, is why we are so bad at making plans because we're like, well, what if something better comes along? Mm. What if I don't feel like leaving the house in 30 minutes <laughs> and I want to just watch TV instead? Like, yeah. I, like, you know what I mean? I feel like that's, I mean, that's how I am at least like don't make plans with me I suck as a person Mm. um I'm very like let's go across the country like randomly and also just as much as oh I know we've had this plan for two weeks for us to have dinner at your house but I can't bring myself to leave the house because I'm too excited about this project I'm working on so it's like (laughs) I'm both I'm both those people um but yeah I definitely think making it limited talking about it and just to be more specific in like some things that I I found helpful with the two pieces of clothing I launched was really just um, making my community feel like they're a part of that production process. Mm. Like, hey, what blank of t-shirt should I put this on, red or green? Or should I put this on a white background? Or should I use this character or this character? Or this type style or this type style? Not to mention, like, what does every fucking social media tip motherfucker person 
ever say to you, like, oh, you have to engage with your audience and just ask them a question and then they'll engage with you, um, which totally fucking works. Yeah. So, yeah, they like, love getting involved. Same thing with, like, tag a friend who needs this. Like, that mm. fucking works, too. <laughs> like, yeah, except of... for me. All that stuff doesn't work for me. It my doesn't audience, work? My well, audience just looks at it and it's just like, I don't have friends. Oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> or they just say, Poor audience. I'm not helping Natalie's algorithm. She can suck eggs. <laughs> I don't oh, know. man. Suck eggs. That's so I don't know. Also, is it, like, pouring rain where you are right now? It is. Can you hear it? Yeah. I was like, I was like, what is all this? Did she just turn a fan on? Is she getting, like, swamp ass? Like, no. what's happening? No. No, it's just, I kind of it's love that sound. It's really relaxing. I hope that the, the listeners out there feel relaxed yeah. due to this storm in sunny Frankston. I love it. Just dancing in the rain. <laughs> I love it. This is fun. All right. So I think, you know, some, some tips to keep in mind for mm. you guys. Like, you know, like you're as a, an artist, you're creating this shit from scratch. You do have the ability. You're not selling like, you're not trying to like uh, signing any like NDRs or anything mm. like that. No, that's do not resuscitate. I'm watching too much Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not signing like, oh, I can't talk about this because I'm working for a client. So, yeah. <laughs> like, don't kill people. Anyways, pull the plug. I don't know. What's your choice? Okay. Anyway, switch of topic. Okay. But really just trying to... <laughs> I lost my train of thought because I felt embarrassed about the, the the killing people piece of paper that you sign. So that way you unplug your grandpa when he's on life support. That's so sad. Grandpa, no. I'm sorry, grandpa. Okay. <laughs> um... But, you know, you have the capability, I remember now, showing the process. Like, you obviously mm. probably sketched that fucking idea once, if not thousands of times. Thousands you know? of times. Show that. That's the value proposition that helps users and everyday consumers understand that you made that shit by scratch. Mm. Shit from scratch. Yep. Where it's like, you know, as a graphic designer, you're using typography, you're using already existing resources. But as an illustrator, you have a very unique skill set that deserves more money. So therefore, if you're making like a graphic design t-shirt or if you're making like a hand illustrated t-shirt, it's worth more money than just something that has Helvetica on it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, because it takes more time, you can actually sell that product for more than $25 for a shirt. Yeah. I sold my shirts for 38 and it sold out. Yeah. And that would be also like an ingredient thing. Like, um, like in actual fashion, like say, um, fabrics like Lycra, when they just came out, like you had to educate the market on why it was a good fabric. So I think that you have to do the same thing, like with whether it's illustration or whether you are making clothes. It's like if you're using a special technique or something, educate your audience about it and they will really respond ah, to that. <laughs> Hold on. Did you go bye bye? My, my, my Rick just woke up. I don't think he knows I'm recording, so I just got to close my office door. Hold on. Oh, okay. Don't you love that? Puppy's out. Get out of here. Get on home, little doggy. All right. I just, like, heard the door close, and I was like, oh, shit. You're going to start hearing shower sounds with the rain. It's just going to confuse everybody. <laughs> as long we're as no one's to... on the toilet, we're fine. Right, then you'll just hear, like, a bloop. <laughs> it's like, I don't know you, but that's the first thing I do when I wake up. Um, oh, for sure. Especially if I slept in, it's like, I'm ready to go. I don't even need my phone. Let's do this. It's time for my 5 p.m. duty. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I don't know. I think that's a wrap on that question, right? How to yeah. launch a product. Yeah, that's okay. fine. All right. So let's talk about success now. We talked Woo. about failure. Woo. All right. So out of all, because keep in mind, guys, like even though she did, you know, she did fashion for a while, she's still been making products this whole time. 
Yeah, like, I have. It's not like she hasn't been, she's just been, like, making art for funsies. No. So, to, like, to this day, like, as of today, what has been your most successful project? I think that something that I did, well, a couple of things that I did with the clothing brand with Tilly Me were really successful. My most successful thing that I've done has been the triangle sweatshirts that I did. Um, so they were just like sweatshirts that had triangles like printed all over them. And this was before triangles were cool, okay? Like this was <laughs> years ago. Um, and so people really responded to that, um, to that thing that I was doing. And I did like color block sweatshirts where like everything was a different color and now everyone's doing that too i'm just before mm-hmm. my time tina I'm before. anyway um so <laughs> um triangle sweatshirts i made a hundred from like okay so basically i made like a hundred and eighty or something but as you'll find out in my 10 ti- ten top 10 tips on what not to do blah 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 like there was a bunch that got bunched up and so a hundred of them sold out, so I have a no more. They're all gone. Um, followed by a print that I did, um, which was like a makeup print. Everyone really liked that one. It was called the Beauty Queen print, and it had all kinds of mascaras and uh, blush and other stuff on it. And yeah, so that that was my most successful thing so far. Well, why do you think they were so successful? Because they were like unique, or they like hit a touch point with the customer? Like, what do you think? The triangle sweatshirts were really unique at the time. Maybe not now, but at the time they were um, very unique. It was almost impossible to get them made um, in the first place. And the um, the Beauty Queen print resonated with Athgorials, who like to wear a bit of the makeup and stuff. And so, like, who wouldn't want to say that they're a Beauty Queen on their clothes? <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's what I mean. I may have. A, I have a T-shirt that says "Weed Queen" on it. Like <laughs> exactly. It's that like... word "queen" has a lot of fucking power, you guys. Yeah, it does. And like, I had, I have people from all walks buying that Beauty Queen print. Like, it's it's long gone, apart from one box of skirts, which you'll find out in a, about in a in a minute as well. Because I mean, for every success that I've had, there's been like ten things that have gone wrong with it. Um, mm. And a lot of it was beyond my control. But That's going to happen. I, yeah. I was just glad that it worked out for the most part. Yeah. Like, when you run a business, like, especially, like, running customer support, mm. like, I don't know why everyone thinks I control the United States postal system. <laughs> I don't fucking have any influence. I, I'm, I don't bribe them. Uh, I pay for Where their services like anybody else and stop yelling at me. Um, yeah. Especially, it's always complicated when you do, like, international shipping, and because I I don't want to have a shipping price that includes tracking, because, mm. honestly, you guys are going to have to start paying, like, $23. Oh, that's t- nothing. <laughs> I know. That's, a, but that's like, crazy for, like, a fucking poster. So it's, oh, like... Yeah. So for me to be able to offer international shipping it for, like, 5 $6, mm. like, there's no tracking. So sometimes once it gets into the country, that's as much as I know, and they're like, well, find it. And I'm like, I... I you are probably much more likely to find it in your country than me. <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna get on a plane, fly exactly. to a place, like go but, and through all the posts and find that tube, you know. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like you have to, you know, empathize with the customer. Like yeah. that sucks. They paid for shipping. They paid for that product. They should get it. But just being able to, you know, I, 
like just like deal with that like I'm always like hey I have your back even even if the USPS doesn't yeah so if it doesn't arrive of course you'll have a refund or what I can offer is giving you a a replacement but I'll send it to a different address Mm. just in case there's something fucking wrong with your mailman and he just doesn't like your face or something like that you send it to your work address or your friends or your boyfriends or girlfriends whatever I had a um a customer That was the worst, one of the worst online selling experiences for me. There was a girl in the States who bought one of my greeting cards and she said that she never got it. And first of all, she said that she never ordered it and that if I don't give her a refund straight away, she's going to sue me for $6. But anyway, yeah, so then like, that's a troll with with that already in, in mind, like I'm like, oh, well, it's already been sent. I can't give you a refund now. And then she's messaging me like two weeks later, like, my card hasn't shown up. I'm like, that's funny because you said that you didn't want it. Like, <laughs> why, why are you like, caring so much now? But then, like, it's a fine line between wanting to be the bigger person and do good business than, like, cow down to, like, oh, well, you know, she's a bitch or anything. So I sent her a replacement card and then she was really happy. <laughs> I'm like, did I just get scammed out of a car? But whatever. She gave me five star <laughs> feedback on Etsy. It's all worthwhile. <laughs> Some people are just dicks. It's like, you know, people typically only leave bad reviews. Mm, yep. You know what I mean? At, at places like Etsy or like Google Maps or whatever the fuck. Um, and I think once you start selling products or you have a, any sort of thing that's customer service that's not service-based, like, um, like you know, design services, for example, you really, mm. like, are very weary to leave a bad review ever again. <laughs> so, like, yeah. you're like, was this something that the business owner could have actually facilitated better that I could just tell them instead of publicly humiliating <laughs> and, like, ruining their livelihood? Is yeah. that really worth it? Um, something to keep in mind next time you guys leave a bad review. It's usually never at the... Uh, person the business's fault it's usually like the manufacturing or the fucking shipping or something else especially if you're doing drop shipping like you have no Mm -hmm. physical hand on that once you send off the the um the print for it so you know (laughs) and like i use printful and i would say printful is pretty on it although Mm. i'm trying to like report this one ticket and it won't let me so i just have to call them which i hate like don't make me fucking call you i hate it i don't even my i don't even know what my phone ringer is because it's never been on like i don't have it's constantly on silent so it's like if you call me and i happen to see it pop on my phone like no vibrate no nothing then it's just meant to be for me to talk to you like that's just it um so it's like don't make me go to that level Mm-hmm. my social anxiety can't handle it it's like I haven't, I haven't had 20 minutes prepared for this phone call like what do I do I haven't been um, able to procrastinate for three days in advance no like I'm not even kidding um, <laughs> no I know I know, I know <laughs> I've got to make a call like after this and I'm just like Please don't fuck I don't want to make that call yeah I don't want to make that call yeah. I hate, like, even just, like, calling, like, for food for takeout. I'm just like, oh, do I have to? Like, me and my boyfriend fight about it every fucking, I'm like, no, you, it's your turn. Yeah, I get my husband like to a, do it. It's like a five-minute interaction. Like, I can't handle that. <laughs> Jesus, what's wrong with my generation? What happened to us? Um, <laughs> Once I made, so, like, a joke out of, like, ordering food because we'll never, we want to get a Sivlaki, I put on this voice because, like, that's what people who, like, apparently want Sivlaki sound like. So then I decided that I would order in that voice and it was going all smooth and it was great babe like it was great but then like she asked for my phone number and I'm just like I've never done numbers in this voice before and so I was just like abort I'm never using the phone again <laughs> that's funny it's like numbers in an accent fuck this that's great exactly 
so, oh, I remember my point. I was like, I was talking about something. Oh, yeah, so print on demand. So Printful, like, for the most part, they have their shit together. Mm-hmm. Out of, like, 150 items shipped, only five arrived damaged. Wow. Which is really good. And then, so when those customers, all they had to do was send me a picture, and then I sent that to Printful, and they just issued them, a, a, like, a, a new one. It was really easy. And they shipped it, like, within, like, two or three days. Yeah, like, they're fucking great. quick about it, especially if it's, like, a t-shirt or something. If it's mm-hmm. custom cut and sew, it's going to take you, like, a month to get it. Um, but yeah, yeah. but t-shirts, they're pretty good. Um, so aside from that, only like maybe three or four packages got lost in the mail out of all those orders. So it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so shit's going to go wrong. So this is why it's important to have store policies on your website. Oh my gosh. Yes. So like what happens if like all the things that could go wrong, what happens if it arrives damaged? What happens if it doesn't get there? What happens if it's the wrong size? Do you do returns? Mm -hmm. You know? I don't do returns because they're so limited. So it's like, mm. how can I give you a shirt that's already sold out? So that's mm. why it's so important to have sizing information. Um, and also, I do it limited so I don't have to do re- deal with returns because I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I also don't have to pay for, like, a packing slip that you won't, may or may not use. Like, that just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, so there's definitely things you have to navigate. But if you just kind of do a little research and you prepare for it, just write a little extra content on your website, you'll be totally fine and prepared when shit goes down. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I don't know. Do you think shipping and fulfillment is probably the biggest pain in the ass when it comes to making your own products? <laughs> um, yes and no. I kind of I kind of enjoy, like, packing all the orders. Obviously, when you have a lot of orders at once, like, it can be really overwhelming. But, like, if I just have, like, you know, three or four for the day, like, I like to wrap them up like gifts and send them out. But anyway, I find that the biggest pain in the ass about making my own products is, like... Finding out that what I want to do can't be done. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean it's going to take $10,000 just to buy that machine so I can get all over printing? Like, um, <laughs> So um, just, I guess everything that I can't control is what's the biggest pain in the butt. So finding out what I can't, like what I can't achieve because of someone else, relying on other manufacturers. Like I had some people ruin my fabrics, just straight up ruin thousands of dollars worth of fabrics. And I had to sue two suppliers who completely stuffed up like my fabric. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a lot of money wasted there. And so that's why sometimes it's just so painful to do mass market, like mass mass production, especially like, I don't know. Like I feel like if you, did it overseas they'd probably be more on top of it because they just do so much but when because I was using like small production houses here I feel like on the whole manufacturing has just died in the western world and so there's a lot more things that can go wrong or like there's more room for error it's just my experience Um, that being said I have had great experiences with factories on the whole but like just these these two particular instances just like stick out in my mind as like (laughs) the biggest annoyances and that was with the beauty queen fabric like so I do I did a um a process called sublimation for that fabric and there's two opportunities for whoever's doing the sublimation to like realize that something's gone wrong so one side of the fabric was like a dark pink and the other side of the fabric was a pastel pink. Like, did no one see that the pink ink was running out from the printer? And it takes hours to print like a long roll of this stuff. Like, yeah. So basically just human error there. But anyway, (laughs) 
That's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like definitely make sure. I just think small steps is probably the best. Like if you've never made clothing before, mm. maybe try not to spend so much money your first time ever making anything ever. Oh, like, definitely not. Like maybe try print on demand as like a first step. Like I, I what I'm good to, and like you won't make as much money, but mm. you'll make more money than you would like on Redbubble or Society Six. That's for sure. And then yeah. once you have like a proven market right? Like all about testing products, then you know, okay, now I can invest in doing mass printing and hiring a, you know, a screen printer or doing a custom sew and hiring a manufacturer to actually put together a hundred pieces or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just, you, you need to, yes, spend money to make money, but every penny that go, comes in from like apparel, you need to be putting back into the business. So yeah, it might take a while for you to be in the black or in the green with your business, yeah. but that's why I think it's important to have other things going on. Like if you're a designer doing client work or having a day job or whatever, because apparel can take a while. It can. And yeah, there's just so many things like, um, oh, I completely lost my point there. There you go. It's gone off into the wind. <laughs> it happens to me like 18 <laughs> times a day. Um, yeah, but basically just start, yeah, start cheap is one of my um, top 10 points as well. But yeah, there's ways of doing it too cheap and then there's ways of doing it too expensive. I had the uh, the privilege of an inheritance from my grandparents and that is what I completely blew because um, I had no idea what I was doing. But I, I look at it as like a master's degree, <laughs> you know, like it probably cost as much as a master's degree to learn all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't think I, I don't think I, I think I only wasted like a couple thousand in the very beginning just because mm. I didn't have enough time to make that many pieces. Thank God. Yeah. Cause I was at full sale, which is like pretty intense school to go to. Mm. Um, but so let's move on. Like, let's talk about three things that artists should just completely fucking avoid when they're creating their brand. Yes. Okay. Um, my first point is copying. Like, mm-hmm. I will admit that there are some things that I just straight off took way too much inspiration from. And, like, looking back at that now, like, it makes me feel really sick that I did that, I guess. Um, that was mostly for, like, I won't give <laughs> give away what exactly it was. But, like, I should have remixed it more. So the remix strategy is to, like, take three points of inspiration and then mix them together instead of just saying, hey, I like this guy's thing, I'm going to do something really similar. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, you know, feel crappy that I didn't do my own idea, which would have been way better. Um, second point would be advertising too much. So everyone loves a story, but not many people would like every post to be an ad. Like, this comes back to show, don't tell, and it's way better to have a model in your clothes with some cool story than, like, buy this now, only twenty nine ninety nine every single mm-hmm. post and marketing ethically made products to the wrong target market. So what I said about um, making things in Melbourne before, like I think that the market just didn't care. Maybe they care now, but at the time they didn't care about sustainably made products. And so I just lost so much money because then to move any of the products, I had to significantly discount them and like I had mm. a mentor who I'd like to I'd like to talk about getting a mentor later. But um, so my mentor said that something that just the print, just the um, just the sewing cost eight dollars to do. She said that the whole garment should be costing eight dollars to produce, like on the kind of scale that I was doing. So there's just a lot of um, things that went wrong there with pricing. So 
yeah, just um, make sure that the way that you're producing products is actually going to be something that your market would buy, like pay yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all good. Like, so let's let's get into resources. So, like things you said, you mentioned a mentor. Like, so what are some other things that have helped you like figure out your business, like courses and articles and books? Yeah. Um. So at the moment, actually, I'm doing a course on Coursera, which has been very helpful. Which is called Managing Luxury and Fashion Companies. It's from Bocconi University. So if you would like to come along on that journey with me, feel free to join, and we'll um you can guess back about it on Instagram or something. But, um, (laughs) so that's like a course. Um, basically I came to the next thing way too late in the game. So my mentor was actually Mercedes Gonzalez of global purchasing group. She is really nice. I paid to do a feasibility consultation with her and it's like 250 us dollars and she gives you like two hours of her time and it's great. And she's just like, Yeah, she's like the friendliest person. So all that you do is you like pay the money and then you talk to her about your idea and she tells you like if it's like a good idea, if it's going to work and she'll give you some tips on what you can do to make it happen. So I found her way too late in the game. So like after like three or four years of just blasting money at the wall, I found her YouTube channel and she has a video called Starting a Fashion Brand on on a Shoestring Budget. And that one and a half hour video taught me way more about starting a fashion brand than in the three years I'd plugged into making my fashion brand, <laughs> which sucked. And actually, she also has a new book out as well. So if you want to um, do some research from that without, um, if you're thinking that $250 is like a bit of a, a bit of a thing um, to pay at the moment, like her book's amazing. It's called Chronicles of a Fashion Buyer. So that's just got a lot of her stories and just basically all of her content is great. A lot of her content is free. And if you're seriously thinking about starting a fashion brand, like she is such a guru. She knows, (laughs) she knows her shit kind of thing. So that I definitely recognize, um, recognize recommend getting in touch with her recognize and recommend recognize recognize her um yeah just or just someone who is knowledgeable but she's definitely someone who's very accessible because she has set up these feasibility consultations which i mean how many people can you say are experts in the industry that would just like let you pay them like a pittance and get two hours of their time yeah. I mean, like, I think I was talking about this earlier in like a different live stream I was doing on Letter Shop, which is just like, why do we pay for school when it's so much cheaper just to pay another person yep. who is doing the exact job that you wish you could have and you're helping support that independent artist. And also they're giving you like probably the most legit best advice because they're in that same position that you want to be in. Exactly. So it's like, and almost every fucking person who's like, quote unquote, made it mm-hmm. has some sort of educational resources because we're trying to bank on our experience. Like I have courses, I have books, I got shit to share that is worth money. Like we all try, you know, it's a def- different res- revenue source for us. Mm. So definitely don't feel weird, uh, especially if you're able to give them money for their time, like everyone likes money to, you know, find some people that inspire you, hit their fucking DM or their email and be like, Hey, I'm really looking for a mentor or looking for a coaching session. Is that something you provide or would be interested in? Just let me know what your fee is. And I would love to book something for the next two weeks. Like I've had people do that with me before I even offered coaching as a thing. Mm. And that's what inspired me to even do coaching. And you do it for a reasonable amount and you get an insane amount of value out of it. 
And yeah. typically people are like, okay, it was for 15 minutes, I'll go 20 or I'll go 30 or whatever until I know that you got this on lockdown. Mm-hmm. As long as you're like respectful of their time and you come prepared for that meeting, like you're going to get some serious gold nuggets from it. Exactly. Like I was thinking the other day, like, oh, maybe I should go back and do a master's in fashion. I'm like, why? Why? There's so many resources. You learn so much Fuck from books. Yeah, the internet replaced <laughs> college. Yeah. In my, for a lot of like, at least for the creative section. Like, you don't need to go to a fine art college. Obviously, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you still have to go to school. Oh, yeah, obviously. But you don't need to spend 100 grand to be an artist or a fashion designer or anything. No. In fact, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really gone to school for anything except um, design, like, digital media design. I mm-hmm. have a degree in that for some reason, which is funny because, like, I don't really like working with a computer. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I went to school for something called... Um, I went to school for something called digital arts and design, which yeah. was like a little bit of everything. And I think mm-hmm. it was, it was a great experience. Like I learned work ethic more than anything from that school, but could I have been exactly where I am now if I hadn't spent that money and actually spent that hundred grand on like launching my brand, I'd probably be a lot further to be mm. honest. So it's like, I'm not going to regret it. Cause I got shit. I would have never met my fiance, like, mm. which Aww. is like my, I'm my fucking soulmate, you guys. <laughs> um, I fucking love him. Um, so like, you can't, right. So no regrets on that end, but I can't help but wonder what would have happened on my career if I would have focused in, you know, had the opportunity to be coached by somebody who was exactly the kind of person I wanted to become. Mm. Or more importantly, if they came from where you came from too, Mm -hmm. then they can be like, oh yeah, I remember when I was like this and I did this. Obviously it's different now in this day and age like a lot of the things that would have worked in you know the 70s 80s and 90s aren't going to work today which sucks but like you can learn so much from books like if you can't afford a mentor or any of these things like if you're really doing it on the on the shoestring budget like there's so many books that you can just go to the library and read like if you're wanting to get like some inspiration there's always that Girl Boss book by like Sophia. I was just gonna say that I have that book. Yeah, like yeah. that book kicked me up the ass. I know. <laughs> like, I'm looking at it right now. Where is it? I read it on the plane back from my honeymoon like a couple months ago, and I'm, I just turned and said to Kevin, like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go grab it. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just talk to the uh, the people now while you while you're doing that and. Um, yeah, I love fucking girl boss. Founder yeah, and executive <laughs> chairman of Nasty Gal, yep. which you guys might recognize from a Netflix special that mm-hmm. had was just one season long for some fucking reason. Um, it, even though it was really good. Yeah. And it's insanely easy to read. There's cute yes. little illustrations at the beginning of every chapter. Big fucking font size. Mm. It's avant-garde for those of you who know what that means. Um, <laughs> and I really fucking enjoyed it. it it's funny. It's pithy. I, I'm looking at this and there's like fucking circled notes and shit everywhere. Yeah. It, it definitely like reframed the way that I thought about selling products, but in a way that I actually enjoyed and didn't feel bored by at all. Yeah. So definitely a huge recommendation. Hashtag girl boss by Sophia Amoroso. Yes. And like, I love how it's like just reading a conversation. Like she feels like, it feels like she's actually talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Mercedes book is actually really similar to that. Like I feel like, when I read it, it's like I can hear her voice, and it's like, oh, yes, we're having a lovely conversation. Sensei, tell me the way. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, that's a wrap on this episode. Hopefully you got 
insane. You better fucking taking notes. If you haven't, I guess you'll have to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Oh no. And I guess you'll have to leave us a really good review too. Mm. Yes, please. All right. So before we peace out, what do you do you have anything exciting coming up that we can help promote for you? Okay, well I was actually so inspired by um doing this podcast and preparing everything that I'm actually gonna put together an ebook about my what? my big ten tips on what to not do or what to do <laughs> if you're starting a fashion brand so that'd be cool so if you want those top 10 tips then probably head over to my website which is kind of down at the moment but I do have a I, it might be up by the time this podcast is released but yeah it is, probably will be up yeah maybe <laughs> but there will be a um a little newsletter sign up box if you sign up for my newsletter or follow me on instagram you can keep up to date with um everything there so i am at natalie michelle watson and it's nataliemichellewatson.com but if for some reason you can't find me there like i've probably flaked out and started using my married name because i'm currently in that battle so that's Natalie Michelle Robson. So you're just making it so hard for people. Will. Jesus, I know. I'm so okay. We'll just we'll just roll forever with my <laughs> with my maiden name. Help me, Dana. This is one of my like main things that I've been um, oh, I'm, I'm about keeping, lately. I mean, me personally, I'm keeping my maiden name if uh when I get married. Say so if I get married. Like I'm engaged, but we're like the kind of people are like we don't actually need to get married. Like we're just married now. So like we're <laughs> having that conversation. Um, but I'm probably always going to keep my maiden name because it's like the only Hispanic flavor I have. Like, I'm yeah. not going to, you can't remove the Rodriguez from me. Like, look at how I said Rodriguez. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, my name is Dina Marie Rodriguez and I'm from Puerto Rico. Oh my and, God. Right? You I wouldn't love even, it. you wouldn't even know. But if I say, hi, my name is Dina Marie Howard. <laughs> like, not the same effects. Yeah, we'll from see. Wisconsin. Like, it's not the same. <laughs> People would think that I'm just like some white hoe, but I'm actually like half Indian. So, but like. My name is Natalie Michelle Watson, so like That's there's true. nothing that denotes that. Isn't it funny? Like you look, you're browner than I am, but I yeah. have the more brown name. So haha, <laughs> I get more scholarships. Boom. Yeah. My mother's maiden name is Manuel, but they everyone's convinced it's Manuel. I'm like, what? It's Portuguese. I've never people. heard of that as a last name before. That's yeah. so interesting. Manuel. Learning things about culture and shit. All right. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> all right, guys, definitely give her a follow. She's amazing. If all of these links are hopefully active by the time this episode goes live, they, they will, will be, be in the fucking show notes at womenofillustration.com. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, if something, if anything, God, please, something resonated with you, tell somebody. So many people have no idea what the fuck they're doing in their creative career, and they're waiting for that one person, that one article, that one link that can seriously make the biggest difference for them even thinking it's possible. So share it on Facebook, on Instagram, fucking do stories, pick your favorite 15 second blah, blah, blah section while you're drawing, whatever the fuck you're doing that I would really appreciate. I know every other fucking podcast, like leave us a review, follow us on blah, blah, blah. No, just fucking tell people if this was resonating with you, it'll probably resonate with someone else who's following you. So kindness, pass it on. Do it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And follow Natalie. Follow me. Letter shop, of course. Follow all the other things and please rate and review. Haha, <laughs> isn't that funny? I just <laughs> said I wasn't going to say that, but then I did it. And just, like, send us messages saying how nice we are because we need confidence boost. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>